Well, hello, friends and family. You're tuning into Every Day is a Saturday. I'm your host, Brian Roof. Hey, I'm super excited for today's episode. It's my first interview ever, first guest on my show, and believe it or not, he's in the Navy. I bet you guys thought it was going to be a Marine, didn't you? Nope. You're not going to want to miss it, though. He joined 1980, did 24 years, 10 of those years being active, and the rest as a reservist. So come check out his story and his experience in the Navy and right on the ship. <laughs> but before we get started, I'd like to thank everyone for your support and listening to my episodes. But I could use a little more help, and it's completely free to you guys. But if you could please go rate my show or episodes after you listen to them, it would help grow my podcast and i would greatly appreciate it all right don't want to keep you guys waiting much longer i hope you enjoy this show a little disclaimer about it though my audio wasn't very great on my end but the guest came through really good so um i hope you guys bear with it and just know that i'm just getting started and i'm trying to get better equipment so my audio will improve within time but let's not keep you guys waiting anymore and i like i said Buckle up and enjoy the show. All right, friends and fam, we got our first guest on the show. Finally, someone to talk to. Chris, Alateri, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Brian. How you been? Oh, great. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to come on the show, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. All right. We're going to ho- go ahead and get right into it and uh, not waste much more time. But uh, what, what uh, branch of service were you in? The United States Navy. Nice. All right. So how long did you serve? Approximately 24, 24 years. Approximately... 10 years active. The rest has all been reserves. Basically, at this point, I'm still associated, still associated somewhat. Okay, so uh, what, what rank were you when you got out? I got out as an E6, or as we like to say, Petty Officer First Class. Okay, Sounds so in, uh, in the Navy, uh, that is a, you guys are staffed NCO at that point, right? Absolutely. Okay, so kind of uh, as, a, as a staff NCO in the Navy, what kind of... Uh job responsibilities you guys have um well of course it all depends with with well, every service. in the navy yes uh, in particular we're the we're the three stripers you know most of us most of us are at a point where we're basically middle management we usually have a chief over us or a supervising us managing a department and a first with myself quartermaster first class dealing with uh, a group of people normally uh, from five, six, 15 people up to, you know, any, any amount, basically around 25, but you usually work between the E7 or chief petty officer and say an E5 or petty officer second class, mostly in any unit or ship or in any type of a situation for the most part. Right now, did you uh, have to do uh, disciplining and stuff like that? At times, hopefully not. You know, right. hopefully uh, most of your people you're dealing with want to cooperate and work as a team. Yeah, 
I don't know if there's as many knuckleheads in the Navy as there is in the <laughs> Marine Corps, but <laughs> <laughs> you never yeah. know. Um, so it, speaking of all that, what was your uh, job in your MOS in the, the Navy? Um, well, that would vary, of course, depending on the unit initially. So you had more than one job while you were in? Oh, yes. I, As I said, I served for 24 years. Right. And that's basically, in a sense, um, and because I went from active duty service and being on ships and things like that to being in the Naval Reserve and, and being on boats and those kinds of things. But initially, I went to the East Coast, and I guess we'll talk about boot camp or something after, you know, basic training and stuff like that. I was in Mayport, Florida. So over there, you know, I worked up to where I was in charge of the navigation department as a as a second and then when i came to the east coast my next four years i was the uh the leading petty officer on another ship so with the quartermasters of course right now i know on ships man they, they got a lot of strict rules and stuff like that and um can you elaborate any any on that like the captain of the ship i know they got a lot of their own rules and when people get in trouble they uh, well, kind of have their own little <laughs> You know. absolutely well you know being on a ship is like it's your own it's your home right and so it's your home away from home as you've seen maybe older movies where there was wooden ships or gosh world war ii stuff and everything else uh to be a little familiar with that in a sense of of course nothing's really changed that much today as far as and even when i was in being on a ship and and mostly being at sea doing sea duty mm-hmm. um yeah you know you you spend a time well, at least some uh, the greatest period of your time, let's say, uh, uh, being on a ship, it could be small or large. Mine happened to be a missile cruiser when I was in the East Coast, and it complemented about three, 353 officers and, and uh, crew and things like that. And then, of course, at the top of the ladder, shall we say, is the captain. And then usually under that person is an executive off- officer to explain a little bit about the chain of command captain, mm-hmm. executive officer, and then, of course, there was officers in different types of departments. When you're running a ship and things like that, you have to be in contact with engineering personnel, the maintenance of the ship, people that do supply work, uh, of course, and then many other different types of departments. You have firemen on there, almost like a fire department in a sense, and, uh, of course, administrative, maybe I mentioned that, yeomen, personnel men. You, we could go down and talk about this for a while, but generally – on a ship, of course, you operate, and then there's all the armament and uh, technology, whether it could be missiles or shooting shooting guns, things like that. We still have all those things, helicopters, planes, can be a small, uh, very focused, specialized kind of unit, or it can be, let's say, fairly elaborate in, in uh, working with a battle group or something with aircraft carriers. So my particular ship, as I said, the first one, was a missile cruiser, so our main function was really to to be a shadow for the aircraft carrier or, or a aircraft-type carrier platform. And mostly what a missile cruiser does even today is, is air traffic control. Some people don't know that. And then our secondary um, function, at least to some degree, is, is aircraft and shooting down aircraft land targets and a number of other <laughs> things I could go into. Did you guys ever uh, give a... Now, I know Navy gives us rides everywhere we go. Did you uh, ever have any Marines attached <laughs> with you guys or on your ship? Because you, I didn't go on very many ships during my time. I sure. uh, went on the Pearl Harbor and did an exercise out there. And the ship that I was on, there was uh, the, the different decks were colored certain ways. Like um, 
there was the blue decks, which were only Navy and the only Navy you can go on the, um, those, those mm-hmm. ones. And then there was a green deck, which was kind of a neutral area where Marines and Navy were allowed to go. And then there was a red deck, which was, I guess, primarily for the Marines to kind of be in, in their own area. Uh, you're but probably they didn't really about, yeah. want our ass around the whole ship. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. I'm, uh, I'm really fortunate. Um, as I said, I was speaking at one unit that I was on when I began and things like that. I'm really fortunate I was able to be on an amphibious ship like you're talking about. You're probably talking about a, uh, an LHA maybe landing. Yeah, because we did take LCACs and we did a whole amphibious yeah. landing and stuff like that when we did it. So you're yeah. probably right, yeah. So I was on the East Coast. I ended up on an old ship called the USS Alamo. It was originally launched in about 1958. It was even older vessel than the other one that I was on. But uh, this is um, a time period. I was in the Reagan Navy uh, as far as going to sea and stuff like that initially. And then I ended up being different, uh, involved in other units, as I kind of hinted here. But um, yeah, it's a very interesting and unique operation being on a ship. And it's it's got its good points and bad points. Mostly some of the best things are as you always have each other. You're working as a team. Everybody gets to know each other at the same time. Uh, the more you're around each other and the longer you're around each other, it gets a little tiresome in that way, seeing the same people. It can be a small town, big town, as I've talked about a little bit. You know, depends on the compliment, the number right. of people in the unit and things, as you know about, of course, you know. Yeah, for sure. Core. We all have different sizes and types and everything else. Absolutely. So do you remember uh, reporting into your first duty station and uh, kind of what that was like? Or uh, was that too I do. long ago? Yeah, <laughs> I do. It's interesting, isn't it? And it is kind of funny, you know, and speaking about these things and anybody else listening that can relate to this, being in the military always is something where things strike you or you have a great memory about it. Right, because right. of the impact to some degree and it because sure. also you're very proud of what you're doing me in particular i got to the ship i was telling you about it was called the uss the lcg 19 uh, a pretty much a mid-size um, missile cruiser at that time called the Leahy class the first day i arrived i remember exact date it was october 8th 1980 after i had served or uh, got my basic training down in orlando florida I ended up on this ship, thank goodness, in Florida. My sister, older sister, happened to live there. But I reported aboard in the afternoon, kind of late in the day that day. And uh, I looked at, I. Uh, it's kind of funny, I got a ride from what was called Jacksonville Airfield, basically a naval airfield from a, a nice gentleman after I had got some transportation from Orlando to explain a little bit here. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I was in Jacksonville, Jacksonville Airfield, and I needed to make it over to the ship. And um, some nice people came by. It's like it's kind of funny these things happen. It's very, it's 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 so nice when people are considerate and courteous as most people are to military members. Anyway, this big Cadillac pulled up. I kind of they saw me standing out by the base entrance with my sea bag and things like that. And they, the uh, older you said the Cadillac. Yeah, this guy pulled up in a Cadillac. I'm not. <laughs> I almost remember the color, color of it. One of the old, the old school Cadillacs, man. Yeah, one of those old school Cadillacs. Oh, it was shit. like you know, That's twenty great. feet long or something. But it looked yeah. very inviting. This guy pulls up and he says, "Hey, you need some help and stuff like that." And I explained to him, "Yes, yes, sir, I, I do." About saluted the guy, and actually ended up finding <laughs> out he was a retired captain. 
and he pulled up there with his wife and told me, uh, give you a ride over to Mayport, which was about, well, I'm thinking about 30, 40 miles or minutes away. Pulls up there and said, I'll, I'll give you a ride if you don't mind going to the grocery store. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's oh, a whole gosh. other story there. So My eventually goodness. I made it. I was telling you, I made it over to the ship. I made it to Mayport, Florida. Made it to Delta Delta Pier there, the Quay Wall. And uh, there, there was my ship, the USS Deal. Beautiful, beautiful missile cruiser. And uh, I just couldn't be happier. I was so glad I got a, let's say, a good ship. A, a nice, you know, look, pretty strong ship with missiles on both ends of it and things like that. I think it was a Wednesday afternoon. And... Uh, Pretty uh, inhibited in a sense. And then, of course, you walk up on a ship, they got the gangplank <laughs> or the brows, you know, some people yeah. at least going to relate to that. And you walk up there and there's a place called the quarter deck, as you know about also in oh, the yeah. Navy Marine Corps. We get, we get punished on our place. quarter decks. <laughs> that? That's what our quarter decks uses for punishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, every quarter deck, usually, especially on a ship or any unit or a gate, even, that's basically our kind of like a gate with the with the ship is you have to be, um, you know, reviewed and things like that. And I presented my orders and the, uh, officer of the deck, the person in charge there took it. And, um, he ended up being this, this, uh, African-American guy. I got to know him really good because his compartment or place that he slept was pretty close to where I slept. And he ended up being almost like a mentor to me because he was fairly close, uh, in my unit as to where we bunked and things like that. But he was just a really nice guy that, First class Paris officer, another guy that taught me a lot about the ship and how things operate and everything. Because you don't really know much. You know what you've been taught in boot camp, of course, which when usually when you get to your unit, uh, it's, it's different. So, no, and I imagine that you're, I mean, was that probably your first time ever really being on a ship or seeing a ship at that age? Or you kind of uh, been much, around you ships? Know, I having mean, growing up here, I think, like yourself, you know, at least you go down to the ocean, can look and things like sure, that right but i got some of my information from watching some of those those good videos and things like that they had back in the on the vhs stuff at the recruiter's office you know? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> those that know what vhs is still <laughs> some people don't even know what that is anymore hey, that's true <laughs> um, that's that's great so yeah. um so what was your first duty station like? Were you, did you like it? Were you, you know, did you feel at home? I mean. Well, yeah, um, I did actually. Um, when I, when I boarded the ship on that fateful day and on that great day, <laughs> when I got aboard and things like that, um, the ship itself was supposed to be going to New York. So even at that point, again, I was like elated. I was really happy. Wow. We're going to New York city because up there at that period of time, was October. I think they were having Fleet Week up. They were supposed to go. To make a long story short, short the ship had a problem with a, a bearing, a big, huge bearing that that holds the shaft that goes to the propeller. This kind of thing called a Kingsbury thrust bearing. Bearing. Anyway, it had these issues and things like that. But yes, I was very happy in the beginning. Then we weren't going to go. I was a little disappointed initially, but then I got to know all about the ship. This big, huge engineering feat, which is what ships are and like you we were talking about the equipment that you've had whether it be uh tanks or different types of heavy equipment they're just they're just marvelous and we have a lot to be proud of when um when we are involved directly with those kinds of anyway so i was really happy about that just beautiful 
piece of engineering and, and people showed me a lot about the ship, how it operated, um, the boiler rooms back then on that particular ship, it had boilers and a lot of generators and these kinds of things. So I thought as a quartermaster doing navigation, I wasn't really thinking about all these other things that I would learn. But yes, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We went all kinds of places, including, including the Caribbean Sea. Yeah, I know that's that's one of the big uh, benefits for being a seaman is uh, you guys get to do a lot of traveling and uh, stuff like that. So and I know every once in a while we got to, you know, hitch a ride and go do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I told you, I didn't really like being on the, the Alamo. We carried a complement of you guys, the the Marines and, you know, like we call them the trees and things like that, <laughs> the, the dead cargo and things. But, you know, all those um all that funny stuff like that, just to throw this up there right away, of course, most of that is it's such a, a great way that we in, interact and, and give each other our time and everything. But yeah. mostly, Out of love, it just grows us so much cl- closer, you know, as a yeah, absolutely. members. Yeah. Busting each other's balls is all part of the, it's all part of it. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? It's sure. just part of the game, man. And then, like I said, it grows, it, you know, grows relationships. For but sure. uh, so, anyways, did you uh, do any kind of special activities or sports inside or outside of the military while you were in, or did you uh, just kind of stick mainly into, you know, doing your duty? Um, I didn't really participate very much uh, with extracurricular activities in relation to any unit that I was attached to at any certain time. You know, when you get off a ship and things like that. Um, and you are on dry land, shall we say, and for a period of time, especially when it's a period of time when the ship is going to be sitting next to the dock for a while, it's good to participate in the baseball and softball leagues and stuff like that. So I did a little bit of that myself. I wouldn't, for me, really, I went to the gym quite a bit. Um, a lot of my friends did. And so do stuff like that. One thing I did um, actually participate in, it's interesting you asked that I remember, I recall now, and I thought it would be really fun. Was called hot dog boxing. Okay, yeah. that, you What's might that? have heard of that. I don't know. It's no, inter. I, know. I had not never heard of that. <laughs> inter um, out there on the east coast, at least in some places, they would have um, an organization of different units and people that wanted to be involved with with boxing, and all it really ended up being would be uh, um, a, a three round fight, a three round boxing match with whomever that they put you up against and uh and then it would go on for a period of i think it was about six weeks where you would meet different opponents and things like that well the cut cut to the chase um (laughs) again as i got involved i had a total of two fights my first one i had to train for quite a while i i thought i this would be something maybe i could excel at or be you know interesting and fun of course so my first fight went fairly well. Like I say, it's only three rounds. You train for a long time. I didn't have a lot of training in boxing and stuff like that, but I did pretty good. And and you have to wear headgear. They give you a little bit of heavier headgear, heavier gloves and things like that, so you don't hurt each other. And that went fairly well. And then the second one, I the second second boxing match I got, I think the first one, you know, we basically broke even. I I think I won that bout. And then the second one, the guy just took it to me. I <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know what I was doing. I think by the by the second round, I was getting hit so much on the top of my head that I just I said that's enough, uh, pretty much. And I think I left there in that evening. That yeah, evening, that's in the locker great. room. 
Like, yeah, it took hours to recover. That yeah, that rem- was cool. That was yeah, cool. That, it kind of reminds me, the only time we kind of did something similar like that is actually when we deployed over to the Middle East uh, they, on Sundays, they would set up a boxing ring and they would let anybody fight, whoever wanted to fight. You just had to be around the same uh, weight class. And you just right. go in there with your boots and utes, man, and beat each right. other's ass. And I mean, they they did wear <laughs> they did wear hair head gear and stuff like that. But dudes were skidding their asses, beating their. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It was great, but it was what. And, and we also did a lot of uh, boxing matches inside the hooch, you know, not inside a <laughs> ring. We just handled some business sometimes inside the, the fence. Right, I understand from my experience, and and even to this day, I like to say that because people think that. I think some people may think that, um, you know, there are things that go on that nobody or some people won't know about. And maybe people don't need to know about it to some right. degree. Take it to the tree line. Things are still settled at times between um, military members without the uh, intervention, shall we say, of other people, which is really good for me no. and to me. Yeah. I and I mean, um you know, from my experiences, is all matters handled that way were always squashed and it didn't linger on. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, we kind of got it over like, hey, you guys don't like each other or whatever. Take it to the tree line, take your blouses right. off, which has your rank on it. Right. And uh, go handle your shit. Come back and stop being bitches <laughs> about it. And let's get back to what we got to do. Right. You know? Sure. But and yeah. That, many years ago it's too bad sometimes you can't handle that way inside you know working at you know these these jobs man like you want to take bob outside like hey bob fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> let's go handle this man <laughs> right you know it, it tends to get things taken care of maybe a little bit more efficiently in a sense even yeah and there's not any animosity he's like well right. kicked my ass he gave me some good lickings like right. i don't think i want that anymore you yeah, know. if it's done in a in a manner that's pretty, let's say, equal and fair and stuff. Yeah, much isn't that way now. So, and a lot of the you know, uh, you know, the brothers or whatever, we do handle a lot of uh, stuff internally. We try to at least before it gets out of hand, and mm-hmm. you know, that's you know, kind of police our own and make sure that shit doesn't get completely out of hand. Right. You know, because um, mm-hmm. obviously, if something gets out of hand, we're all we're all in trouble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so it, all right, so we'll keep moving on. Um, okay. Any special duties or assignments or, you know, orders like the Marine Corps, we sometimes get like some like TAD orders. Is, they're also known as temporary assigned duty, any type of things like that. Um, well, yeah, I, I had my very interesting being active duty for the most part, I hate to keep using that same, but oh, yeah. uh, you you stay within your unit, uh, which is what I did when I was on a ship on the East Coast and I was on a ship on the West Coast. And then I got out of the active duty service and then I went into the reserves. And it's funny with the reserves, I didn't think there was going to be, you know, that much to it. You do your weekends and stuff, couple couple uh, weeks a year and things, but myself more involved in those kinds of things or or more involved with what you're talking about things that are temporary assigned duties special Mm -hmm. activities because when the um these wars took place these uh how should we put desert warfare desert wars desert uh storm one and two enduring freedom those kinds of freedom yeah i was out of the military yeah 
I was out for about seven years. And, um, of course, when I was on the show with us out there, we went to some really fantastic places, one of which I really enjoyed quite a bit. Maybe I mentioned about the Caribbean Ocean where there's a lot of islands down there. It's very interesting because that is where a lot of great sailors were at, you know, and pirates and, yeah. and the British and those kinds of things. Great so history. Very interesting down there. Been to Europe a couple of times. And uh, one of my favorite places uh, um, was uh, the island of Mallorca off the coast of Spain. It's really popular called Palma. As far as, let's say, li- li- Liberty Timer being off the ship and things like that, there's a lot of great and fun places to be. Barcelona, Spain's another one that was a lot of fun. But a lot of the islands that you ended up end up going to, I went as far south and down into Africa, down into Mombasa. That's as far south as I've been. Wow. Getting back to kind of what I was saying, that that's more... Uh, would be more of something that would have different types of things going on as a Naval Reserve. As I said, I didn't expect it to. I rejoined the Navy after getting out. Basically in 1990, I rejoined the Navy several years later. So I was back in the Navy in 1995, at the end of 1995 with the Naval Reserve, which is when a lot of these, when the wars were going on in the deserts and things like that. So that brought up um, some special duties and things like that where I would be attached to, or you could sign up and then they were reserves to be sent somewhere. Nice. Basically, I never had to go to the desert. I went there uh, not really wanting to, let's say I ended up there for a little period of time, but really one of the things that I did that I'm very proud of um, is that we were sent at one time to the Philippines. I was in a unit over here on the West Coast. And we were sent to the Philippines for a um, fairly confidential mission or assignment. I happened to be attached to a boat at that time. Mm-hmm. And we went with some people that were um, from the amphibious base, special warfare, special special warfare personnel and some units down there and, and dropped off somewhere in the Philippines to open up a, an old World War II airfield out there. And that was very interesting because we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know where we would end up exactly, most of us anyway. And it ended up being something where um, there were some some activities that took place that, let's say, completely obliterated some of these uh, nasty people they call terrorists. Mm -hmm. I never really myself had to be involved directly with that, nor have I ever had to do that, but be a, a part of that to be a part of these people uh, and i put it in this way very special people very great americans uh that do these kinds of things called navy seals and uh green berets and things like that they're all just you all know, the you special have, forces yeah you have your special forces people the badasses, too. yeah force recon yeah. yeah all those people that i've been involved with or run into and things like that I have to say they're just some of the best people you'll, you'll ever they're know. They're special kinds of intelligent. Yeah, special yeah. kind, special kinds of uh, individuals, man. They're the you know mentality. They're smart. They're you know physically yeah. fit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's son of a bitch, man. They're Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and their attitude is their attitude. You know, it's to overcome. You never overcome. know. You know, a lot of times when you talk to them, they don't they don't sit there and brag about themselves. Completely right. humble. Um, some of the, you know, some of the coolest guys I've, you know, got to meet some of them too. Right. Most of us, deployed. you know, I say that that's why it's a little difficult when you say something special, at least for me, you know, I'm not special. I maybe like yourself to, I'm to, to, to 
to serve your country humbly is probably one of the the greatest um, um, I don't say attributes. Uh, um, it's something you can do for your country like that. It, it's a privilege in a sense. That's the word I was looking for. It's almost yeah. like a privilege to be able to do do that. Some people may not look at it that way, but I I certainly always have. Right. So it's it's a little difficult to brag and things like that. There's a lot of things that go on in our military even today. Those people that are downrange that are risking their lives that uh, you know most most Americans don't know about, nor do they necessarily have to know about it. No. Yeah. They should just know that there are people out there that really care about. And sometimes it's probably better that some people don't know about, you know, <laughs> the sacrifices that it takes uh-huh. because, um, you know, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have as many people uh, signing up. <laughs> yeah, that's some serious stuff there, though, huh? It is, man. I mean, <laughs> that's you the get, serious part of it. Yep. Um, so so you never really actually were deployed into a combat region then, huh? I mean, just kind of. Oh, oh. Um, let's say in support of. <laughs> I don't have a combat ribbon per se. I have a couple expeditionary um, citations. The closest I really got to that, besides going and serving some as support on the West Coast over here, was over uh, off the coast of Libya when you had Muammar Gaddafi over there basically dictating to his people and everybody else that he owned part of the ocean out there and that 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 area was not to be entered by any other ships from anywhere by any means. So we used to go in there once in a while and, and run operations and run our aircraft carriers and our battle, battle group and things like that really close to his country and things. And so there was a few times he sent out his aircraft and stuff like that. And basically what you see, it's funny in like the movie Top Gun where they actually make contact with the aircraft. Most of that would go on and went on for periods of time. Again, the 80s, because of fools like that, shall we say, they would be challenged and they would run away because they knew they would end up being destroyed, would end up being, you know, obliterated in a sense. You know, I was in the Navy also during a period of time when, and you might remember when the barracks were blowing up, of course, it's probably over there in Beirut. Right. We were over there off the coast during that period of time. But most of what I did, yeah, thankfully, and, you know, I'm glad I don't have to brag about or talk about some of those things where people actually were having a lot of casualties, people being killed around you and things like that. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, deployment is, uh, it's rough on in, in many levels. And uh, people have no idea. I mean, movies only show you so much. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know what always impressed me with those uh, naval ships though is uh, fucking those the weapons on them, man, and how fast some of those anti-aircraft weapons are. They <laughs> shoot like a thousand rounds per second or some crazy right. shit. That's I mean, right. they're just it's just raining, you know, mm-hmm. rain and shells. Um, but I've always was impressed when I was on a ship with with the all the weaponry and and how <laughs> the technology is on on those ships, man. It's like. You know, like it's it is literally a, a town within itself. You know, chow halls, <laughs> uh, infirmary, places yeah. to go work out. You know, yeah, uh, some could be quite cool. like the ones that the one that you might have been on, or the LHAs, like out of San Diego, the Tarawa. Now, did you ever struggle with seasickness or anything? Because I'll tell you what, man, that's one thing. <laughs> when we went on our exercise, they had all of us Marines down at the bottom, and we were all just yakking. 
and we were basically living in the infirmary asking the dog for some uh, mean man and yeah uh, but yeah did you how was your sea legs well you know i i feel for you there i have to say this comment right off that i feel for you know at least a third of the people on a ship most of the time when you initially go out or whatever if there happen to be people that are let's say visiting or they're attached to your unit or something like that about a third of those people would get sick because, of course, the motion and all. I never really got sick. I was, again, um, I'd been attached to the, my first ship. And li- and when you're on the ship, you're living basically right there in the basin or, or uh, in the harbor. And then and the ship's pretty much moving the whole time. So I lived on the ship, on both the ships I was on for periods of time. And then, yeah, we had to strap ourselves in in the in the racks, man. In the, uh, the coffins we slept in. We had to have a right. we had to have a, a strap. And I remember at night, man, you can hear the chairs. Yeah. If if we didn't get a strap, you were supposed to strap everything up before you hit the rack. <laughs> but if you did it, man, you could hear those chairs and those the, the tables just hitting everything back and forth yeah. and trying to get out of your rack at that time. It is. It, I mean, you're sliding, and it's no joke, man. Those rough seas is no joke. And those amphibs too. A lot of them. Some of the smaller ones have a flatter bottom toward the back, so they don't ride quite ride quite as well, or you could say write themselves as well as uh, the more sleeker models and things like that, or the bigger, uh, larger helicopter carriers and things like that also. But yeah, you know, heavy seas or something else. We used to take, and and they still do. There was a couple clamps in there. You could you could take a rope or a couple belts or something like that and strap yourself in. Strap yourself in for the ride. Yeah, man, it, it is no joke for reals. Definitely uh-huh. remember that part. Yeah, a lot of your ships, like you're talking about today, also to give some of the people out there maybe an idea, there are just magnificent vessels. Like I was talking about the engineering and things like that. And everything usually topside has something to do with some sort of weaponry on the ship, some sort of ordinance, you know, or the yeah. means to an end of investigation, whether it be helicopters or some type of vertical um, uh, aircraft or something like that. There's so many different types of things today, especially it could be a number of things, but they're just, yeah, they're, they're marvels. And all the taxpayers, everybody living here pays for those things. So it's really part of our, our great America, our great fighting units and our defense for our country. So, so besides the Pearl Harbor, well, which is the one that I uh, did the <laughs> exercises on, um, I I took a tour on the Mid- Battle of Midway. Uh, that was right. something else. And I mean, this little bitch was so big that I don't believe we got through it in the six to eight hours that we were on the thing. I mean, oh. it, it was either you go left or you go right on some parts. And right. it's not like you circle back to go left. But, right. uh, dude, I mean... And, and that was that's an older ship. The ships are making <laughs> the day are are super impressive in with right. their technology. And I mean, the other thing that was kind of crazy is I saw up there uh, when we went up to visit that uh, the Battle of Midway uh-huh. is um, up on the I guess like, like the the the, uh, the deck where the captains are. They're sitting there writing backwards on this board and stuff like that. And I mean. It's impressive that those guys learn how to write backwards and everything. So the guy on the other side of the glass could be reading what they're putting on the um, board. But right, I mean, some of that stuff is just impressive with the training that you guys have to do. And because you know, yeah. I mean, also being on a ship, man, you got to kind of learn how to fight fires too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is to some sense of the you know, you guys learn how to be firefighters because you're stuck on a ship, man. If that thing gets on fire, I mean, 
someone's got to learn what to do, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's one thing too, when I, I was on a couple of ships and you learn all that kinds of stuff, all those kinds of things. And a lot of that comes down to some general basic stuff about ships. It's all about compartmentalization or compartmentation where things are divided up. And so if the ship was to be hit by something or if a ship was to, you know, get, get a hole put in a, you know, of course we're fighting battles or made to fight wars and things like that or damaged in some sort of manner, then you can close different compartments and things like that to save the ship so that water only stays in certain parts of the ships and those kinds of things, which is why you have the hatchways and the scuttles and all those types of things. I was really fortunate um, to be stationed in San Diego and become part of a unit over there when I was in the reserves for a period of time where we would go out with ships and they call it rough tray or refresher training. Maybe you've heard of that. You've probably been through some sort of refresher training. So we did it in Guantanamo Bay for a period of time. This is another little story, but we were down in Guantanamo Bay. This is different than San Diego. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is all the units on the East Coast being ships would go to Guantanamo Bay. If you're in San Diego, you did refresher training there in the harbor, in San Diego Harbor, then out there by Point Loma and stuff like that where they would run you through a lot of different drills and speaking to or about what you're saying and training and, and the complications or complexity of ships and things where they would teach you all about when to open and close, how to use different weapons and all the ordnance that I've kind of indicated about. And of course the engineering, no matter what sort of damage uh, battle casualty you might, might take on a, on a ship or something like that on the ship there, like I told you was amphibious down in San Diego, of course, down in San Diego here on the West Coast, that's their largest uh, naval base down there. And it's got probably 13 piers. And I'm sure still today that there's approximately, you know, 25 units, 25 ships probably attached down there. But, uh, yeah, they do a lot of different types of training. I was really glad to be able to belong to a unit for a period of time and help train those people. So that was one way. I talk about two ships, but I've probably been on 20 different ships. And doing some training down there and being able to be on all different types of ships. And what I did, at least, was uh, navigation and things like that. So we would go all through all the different types of navigation and things like that, uh, shipboard navigation. Now things are so technical. People like me or those people that are still, they're still quartermasters. There's no more. One of the <clears throat> those people I used to train with also were signalmen that worked on signal bridge, bridge of a ship. That's where I would call ship control where I would mainly work uh, a long time ago or back when attached to units as a ship, but we would go out uh, and teach people how to, how to do a lot of different types of navigation. So I was another really thing to be fortunate about, to be exposed to that kind of stuff and work with really great people that were like, you know, excellent at that kind of stuff. I got pretty good at it myself, no doubt. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome uh, but yeah san diego harbor down there man that's beautiful Good yeah I, I love san diego and coronado bay and all that it's yeah. just absolutely something neat it's um yeah we something could talk I had, for an hour or two <laughs> absolutely something that i learned about that is that bridge over coronado bay uh, uh-huh. if it was ever to get knocked down it actually floats so the ships can get through there because obviously um, there's a lot of ships docked, and if they knocked that bridge out or something, right. it would uh, stop them. But I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, wow, holy yeah. crap, man. There's some really amazing stuff. Like I said, information on the military and, and things. It's that... a lot of stuff that we just don't get, you know, as a general 
you know, population, yeah. you know, you don't really get that. You just walk in by, you see a bridge, you don't think much <laughs> of it. And then you learn like, oh, wow, that thing can float if it got knocked out. Damn, that's pretty cool. You know, and you get little little tidbits of that. Like just, uh, you know, like when we went to Coronado Bay, uh, they were super informative and very, you know, they helped, they kind of teach us things and things sure. that we didn't familiar with, you know. So I loved yeah. uh, hanging out on the Navy ship for a little bit. Um, but you know, in your 20, you did 24 years in that amount of time, what, what do you say was like your absolute favorite part about being in the Navy? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, one part, I'll try to keep it brief too. I mean, sure. no, no, you're good. That much, but you know, some of the stuff that's really interesting, of course, and fun, uh, basically is just basically being a sailor, just basically, living and working on a ship that's not appealing to a lot of people for me it worked out really well i liked being on the west coast when i was a young kid going to the beach so for me a lot of that stuff was really neat it was neat being able to go to a lot of different places so for me to be part of the united states navy the greatest navy in the world during a period of time when ronald reagan was the president and they were building ships all that kind of stuff there that was it was unbelievable it was just unbelievable there was money being thrown out a lot of stuff and we had great equipment and stuff like that. Other than that, to say what was maybe one of the best things or most exciting things I ever did, I have to say one of the most exciting things for me personally that was to be, as a quartermaster, uh, we work on the bridge of the ship. I mentioned that and did navigation. So that's where you're at. Another thing we did was we always took the ship's wheel. And back then they actually had ship's wheel, not these little small wheels that they have on a, on a console or that we had a ship's wheel that was like let's see two feet across or something like that so we had to stand a watch at the ship ship's wheel as a quartermaster doing special evolutions um we would steer the ship so one time to get to it we were in the middle of the indian ocean having underway replenishment on my the ship that i was on the uss deal and i was steering because that was my job during that particular evolution which was Again, underway replenishment, which means there's another ship next to you. You're attached to it by lines, actually attached to it by high lines, big metal cables, big steel cables. And so I'm steering and we're going along there and we're underway doing underway replenishment with USS America, this uh, aircraft carrier. And so at the end of when you're doing underway replenishment, there will always be a drill. They always do a drill with everything. Hmm. And of course, so then they do an emergency breakaway, it's called, and all the lines have to go back to whatever ship they belong to and everything is cleared. This always happens when you're done. So they went to emergency breakaway, and that means you speed the, you speed and speed up. Both vessels speed up pretty fast. And the one that's breaking away, or the larger vessel in this case, which was the USS America, took off. It was right next to us on our port side of the left side of the ship. I was steering the ship. And here's this big aircraft carrier, not but about hmm, 500, six, 700 feet away from me, taking off. And, it's, and as it's clearing our ship over here on the left side, on the bow of the ship, many, I'm steering my ship going along there. And they start launching aircraft because were, we were going into the wind, which is another thing you do. But we're going into the wind to launch aircraft and they start launching their aircraft. So at that time, there were these f-14 sitting on the deck and they start taking off and the sun's going down in front of me so if you can imagine like this this pink sky in front of you you're a young man about 22 years old at the time i think and you're watching these beautiful aircraft take off and when they take off 
when they get a little airborne or a little, they clear the ship some, they hit their what's called afterburners. They, they kick those on and there's these big red flames coming out of the back of an F-14. So that was probably, <laughs> that is definitely up there as one of my greatest moments, my happiest, most proud moments being in the United States Navy is watching the power, just the power of your, your and being. Not only watching it, man, it sounds like you got to feel the power, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome, man. Cool. That's great. That's one thing, though. So what about uh, what about your least favorite, you think? What was one of the least things that you liked about being in the Navy? Yeah. When I was uh, over here on the West Coast in San Diego, I think we were out to sea one time for about 35 days, and some people say that's nothing, nothing. But for me, 35 days on the on the ocean, that's about as far as I had to go. Maybe it was like 38 days. No, I feel you, man. I did two weeks, and I was about losing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, give oh, me the man. fuck off here, man. How close I, can you get me? I'll swim. I'm telling you, the Pacific <laughs> Ocean is huge, man. And we were out there doing a lot of operations at one time. And then we were steaming as, as an individual ship and stuff. And, uh, yeah, they, it gets pretty old. So you end up doing Well, not seeing nothing for a while kind of starts to wear on you, man. You go outside yeah. and you just see blue and it's a blue, yeah. you know, like right. you know, dark blue and a light blue. You know, yeah, that's about one of the least. So when you're out there a little bit too long or something like that. But, uh, you know, even when you're when you do things where maybe you're interacting with uh, other countries and and maybe something that's a conflict coming up or whatever that could be difficult but it also you're you're basically trained for that you're ready for it there's and a lot of fog really out there somebody if you need to and remember there being a lot of fog at least when i went out there too i mean <laughs> i know being out there on that coast yeah you know, the, sometimes you deal with a lot of fog yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, quite there interesting being on there when the shitty weather man we used to we used to drop off your uh, those uh, lower the back end of the ship and drop off the those uh, gosh, the Alcax. Uh, well, those two, yeah, those were really something else. But those smaller, I don't. That's not good. That I can't remember that. Like the smaller, like a, the hovercraft type deal. Or? Yeah, that they took about what eight troops inside of those. Yeah. We did that quite a bit. I can't believe I I don't recall that right off the top of my head. But that's a lot of fun too. Also, actually, when you do those operations. When you're headed into the coast and things like that, and we would work with you guys. And another thing is like it's called a J lots joint joint logistics over the shore. Is another one that was kind of interesting. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're getting ready to kind of uh, end this show, but before we head off, I just wanted to: is there any final good stories, any moments? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, any got any good stories that involve Marines or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Well, I could tell you a story, you know, I don't know if you want me to save it for later or something like that. This will take about five minutes. It's it's probably the best story I've ever heard. I tell it myself. Well, I don't know well it's all I guess, but I'm sure whoever's driving right now or whatever, listen, it probably would love for another five more minutes. Okay. So. Like I say, I was in the, in the Navy for quite a period of time. Right. Um, it was a little bit different back then also. So when I mentioned a year like 1982, for some people, that might seem like a long time ago. For me personally, well, I, mean, I was two years I was, old, you know, <laughs> I was, it's, like, it's like yesterday or whatever, but, but uh, it, uh, I'll tell the story. It's All an right. indication, basically, you could say of people working together and how proud people were and things like that. But, you know, back in 1982, shall we say, during the Reagan era and things like that. And of course, um, some of our main focus and mission as a Navy, 
as a country was to, uh, and maybe it still is to some degree, I hope so, that we look out for other countries that we have uh, agreements with and things like that. But to cut to it again, we were uh, in Barcelona, Spain. We had to be over there and um, we'd done some operations. Of course, we did a lot of stuff in the Mediterranean Ocean, again, with a battle group. And so we had about four, four, maybe five ships that needed to pull into Barcelona, Spain. So we went ahead and did so. I was the aircraft carrier. We had a missile cruiser, an amphib, you know, which was where the Marines came from. Also, you know, a lot of Marines are attached to, not a lot, but some are attached to an aircraft carrier. Right. And so, of course, before we go out on Liberty, we pull into Barcelona, Spain and stuff like that. You pull up to a pier and stuff like that. And everybody's really excited because you're going to get to go on Liberty, which is time off mm-hmm. and things. This means sometimes everybody, usually people have to stay back in the ship and, you know, duty section. Anyway, so you get all these people and we're excited. And they told us that, you know, we're going to need to wear our uniforms. That was something that was done quite a bit back then. And then sometimes it wasn't. But and that usually meant that they wanted to show the flag or uh, let people know that the Americans were there and stuff like that. And so anyway, we got dressed up and things like that. Everybody's really excited. I think we pulled in in the morning, and of course, and by about one in the afternoon, everybody's ready to go because nobody's had a drink or something for about, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks, maybe three, could be longer. So everybody's pretty excited. So we all in our uniforms, took showers, ready to go ahead downtown, down into Barcelona, Spain. And uh, there's a street down there called Divisional. It's like the main street and and uh, in the center of town. And there's a, there, it's actually the, the place where I believe Christopher Columbus came back to, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I don't okay. recall, either left from Barcelona, Spain, or he came back to Barcelona, Spain. So there's this big, huge statue of Christopher Columbus there. It's really cool and everything. And we're all happy and proud. And Spain's cool anyway. Spain's a great country. Always has been. I have heard that. Yeah, they're really cool, you know. And fact is, you know, being American, we're exposed to a lot of Spanish. So some of the words a lot of people would understand are people would be Spanish or Hispanic. And so we got along pretty good. Everybody, you know, sometimes when you go to places like that, uh, military isn't welcome as much, but they welcomed us uh, very well there. So anyway, to get into the story, we go down the street and everybody starts, you know, hey, you know, of course, the first thing you want to do is dash in somewhere, dive in somewhere and, and get a drink. Can't wait to have a beer and things like that. So everybody starts drinking, bellying up to the bar and, you know, talking and, uh, you know, starting to have a good time and things like that. And it hadn't been about about two hours now some people might think that's a while but you know two two and a half three hours we're just basically getting started so there's all these navy guys off the ship in their uniforms and their you know their uh their ties their blue ties their white uniforms and stuff and then there's the marine corps dudes you know wearing their uniforms and stuff and looking, looking all- badass that's right we're all you know <laughs> we're hanging out together you know we're kind of everybody's a little bit you know edgy and stuff like that you know yeah. even with each other that's that badass happens. But then we start kind of getting to know each other, a few beers down, a couple shots here and there. And uh, people are kind of easing into things. And then all of a sudden, like I said, it wasn't even that long that, that we were on Liberty. It was getting into the evening. It was about five, six, seven, about seven in the afternoon, late in the afternoon and stuff like that. And we knew that down the street at the end of the street. Now, this is a street that's got bars on both sides type thing, kind of European with the tables outside. Maybe people can picture that at times. And, uh, you know, old buildings and everything, some British pubs and some some other things mixed in there, as there almost always was. So you got all these Navy and Marine Corps dudes. And down at the very end of the street, we knew 
We've been told by Shore Patrol military police to be careful and don't go down that way because there's socialist protesters down there. And you know what? They were all wearing red and stuff. And because we saw them down there and there was a megaphone way down at the end. It's probably half a mile away. Anyway, whatever. Screw them. We're not going to deal with those guys. We're having a good time and stuff. And uh, some guys came running in. The Shore Patrol guys, military police came in and they said, well, you guys are going to have to wrap it up. And we're like, uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, the socialists. They're coming down the street. The protesters are coming. Uh, and everybody's kind of looking at each other. They're like, eh, you know, F that, you know. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm just having another beer. Uh, okay. Thanks. And uh, well, everybody kind of And, of course, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, getting muscled up a little bit, you know. And yeah. who the hell do those guys think they are? And I don't care if they come down here. <laughs> I'm not leaving unless the Marine Corps guys are leaving, you know. I'm I'm not going to leave my beer for those fucking guys and that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know we got a family program. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, man. So, this, is, this is explicit. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so we're sitting there and uh, the shore patrol came in. They said their piece and everything like that. And, and they wanted everybody to leave and get on the, they had buses or something like that. So, so few people left, but for the most part, we kind of stayed there and, and then we could hear some noise and stuff like that. Apparently, there were some people coming down the street. These socialists were coming, I guess, to disturb our good time. Well, you know, and then the shore patrol came back again. And shoot, people were, were drinking more beer and everything like that. Because if we're going to have to leave, if we're going to have to leave, we're, you know, we want to get our fill a little bit, you know. So the money's crossing the bar, the bar there and stuff. And the beers and everything are still coming. And this noise is coming down the street. And basically, it got to the point where everybody kind of told the shore patrol, look, you know, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let them come. Let them come. Yeah. And they're all wearing red, too. So what we started doing. So then uh, it was it was amazing. It was really a good time. It was a lot of fun in a bad sort of way. So all these Marine Corps dudes, these Navy sailors and stuff, you know, everybody kind of walks out onto the edge of the sidewalk with our beers and drinks and everything, you know. And we, and we looked at each other. I mean, you're talking about 100, 250 people, 250 members not just standing there. We just stood there like, bring it. And oh, so shit. <laughs> basically, <laughs> they were, they were taught. We didn't do anything. We have to keep the peace, right? We didn't do anything in the beginning. And they're starting to toss tables in these, these um, uh, owners, these people that own these establishments. They're pissed, too, because now they have all this business. And the business is getting ready to leave. And they're like, you guys can't go. And we like, we don't want to go. So basically, we didn't go. And then a big fight ensued. Tables were getting knocked off on both sides of the street of these friggin' protesters coming down the street with their signs and their megaphone and sticks now and stuff like that. So then basically, um, you know, your military people, we took our steps forward and stuff like that. I wasn't exactly in the front. <laughs> But, but I know there started being things thrown like beer bottles and, and anything people could get their hands on into these other people. And uh, let's say it was a little bit protracted on it. We didn't go full force into them because I think we might have killed some people and stuff. But <laughs> we had to get back and nobody wanted to not be able to go on Liberty the next day. Yeah, man. No. Basically, they're the ones that destroyed a lot of stuff. And the whole ship would have been punished. Oh, it was it was great. The Marine Corps and sailors, you know. Navy. Yeah their fists in the air and ah you know we did it and so all the way back <laughs> all the way back finally to the ship we had to go back of course they told us you know can't do that kind of stuff but it was a 
pretty interesting sort of situation. So we're all the way back to the ship. Everybody's all fired up and, you know, all this, all the dirty language is totally just, just coming out and stuff like that. But so it was a good time. You know, we didn't stay too long initially, but there was always the next day. So it was peaceful the next few days and, you know, but a great, great time. A little more to the story. That was my, uh, abridged version a little bit there. So <laughs> nice, man. Well, Hey, we all have stories. Yeah. I'm sure you got plenty more to tell. Oh yeah. And then, so <laughs> of course that, what the incident and the gossip and everything for the next days that we were there, which was about three or four, just kept going on and never saw those people again though. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about that. huh? Didn't have to see him again. Yeah. Well, Hey, Chris, I really appreciate your time, man. I, uh, you're my first interview ever. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I definitely would like you to come back again, talk more in yeah. depth about your experiences. And sure. uh, um, like I said, I, once again, thanks for coming on. And uh, Quite welcome. It's been a all pleasure. Right. All right, man. I will uh, talk to you uh, next time. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank Enjoy you for your program, Brian. All right. Thank all you, right, we'll man. See you. Appreciate Take you. Care. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that concludes today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. I really appreciate uh, Chris coming on and being my first interview ever. Couldn't be more appreciative of that. Uh, There's going to be more. I have uh, upcoming guests coming on. Um, My next guest is going to be a Sassar in the Marine Corps. Not going to want to miss that show. And, hey, check it out. If you guys could really help me out by liking the shows after you listen to them or even uh sharing it out with your friends it doesn't cost anything if you're liking it you know please like the show and uh show a little bit of support that way it would be awesome and uh, greatly appreciated but once again you're listening to every day is a saturday with me myself and i brian roof i'm out